Good morning and good morning. 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 Am I on? Checkers, one, two. Doesn't sound like I'm on. Can you hear me? Hear me? Okay, okay, great. I can't hear myself because I'm, I'm so congested this morning. Uh, I've been battling sickness this weekend, and so I'm muscling, muscling through a good bit, but uh, that's why I can't hear myself uh, this morning. It's so good to, to have you all with us. Uh, you guys usually mingle a lot more than that, so I'm guessing y'all are Christmas partied out. Like You're like, I'm done. I've got no more people time, no more people energy in me. Uh, regardless, we're so thankful you're here, and uh, we're just going to keep uh, the party going through this week, and uh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, we're going to have a service. We would love for you and your family, your friends to, to come on out. 4.30, this place is going to be packed. I'm really excited about uh, Tuesday evening, so maybe that works out to be maybe right before your family festivities, bring the crew along, and we're just looking forward to an amazing, amazing time of maybe a few more of the traditional carols that uh, uh, we all love uh, this time of the year. I want to say hello to everybody watching online, listening, driving down the road. I don't know if you knew this, but we have like... Um, I think it's like two or three times of what we have in the room we have online. So um, between our, our podcast and everything, so uh, we're just so thankful for our Fathom family that's all over the place today, particularly with holidays and um, wherever you're at. We, we really put that there, that uh, both our podcast and our online video as a resource for you, not a replacement. It's a place for you to be able to be encouraged when you're out of town or under the weather like I am laid up in bed where I probably should be this morning. Uh, but I'm so thankful to, to be here with you because we're going to wrap up our series, Best Christmas Ever. If you've been with us for the, over this course of this month, we've been in the series called Best Christmas Ever, really looking at four decisions, four choices that it's so important we make if we want the best Christmas ever, because I know we'd probably all love to have the best Christmas ever. And usually when we think of that, maybe we think of toys or certain family times, but these choices we've been walking through, things like forgiveness, the choice to forgive, sets us free. Uh, the choice to really praise God regardless of our circumstances, it really brings us into a new place of confidence and freedom and the choice to see God with all of our heart. And today I want to talk about really our, our choice to believe and to hang on to faith. I, I almost made our title like Don't Stop Believing, but like, because I, I just love Journey. Journey is one of my favorite uh, bands. So of course that, that's such a, uh, it's, that song's like cliche now when you talk about belief uh, so much. So, but how many of you guys are in like the Christmas movie mode? Like you've been binge watching like Hallmark Channel? Is that some people? There you go. It just stays on. Yep. Yep. Some people are confessing for family members. Um, we've been watching one or two different uh, Christmas movies every year. Uh, not on the Hallmark Channel. Um, I've unsubscribed to that channel, so it just can't be played in my house. I'm just kidding. Um, but um, we've been watching, and they're, they're all the same, right? I mean, they're kind of all the same, right? GQ model who works on the farm and is a really good guy <laughs> meets, meets the, the pretty girl who doesn't know she's beautiful, who's recently out of a bad breakup. You, sound familiar, right? It's pretty accurate. And then at the core central problem that's got to be solved, the tension of the story is someone has lost the Christmas spirit. Someone's not in the Christmas spirit. Maybe you come in here today and you are that person who has lost the Christmas spirit. You've lost belief. You've lost faith in Santa Claus or whatever. But I think the reality is uh, in our nation, there is a little bit of a cultural war going on. And, and I'm not really talking about the Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays, whether it's a holiday tree or a Christmas tree, because we all know it's a Christmas tree for crying out loud. But um, we all know about that war going on when I'm actually talking about is a little bit of a deeper war and deeper tension that I see in our society that concerns me far greater. And I see it in our church and I see it in our city. And, and it's the, it is the loss of belief, but not belief in Santa Claus or the Christmas spirit, but belief in who Jesus 
said he was and, and, and that he is who he, he said he was. And, and I, I know if we um, begin to look into some of the research, I found one study that was in 2014 to 2017. It said this, um, that the study was really uh, judging and, and asking people about their belief in the biblical events of the Christmas story. So the virgin birth, the magi coming from afar, bearing gifts, the angel pronouncement, Jesus being laid in a manger. These specific things, and historically, our nation has very much held to a lot of the Christian uh, values. We'll save that conversation for another day. But in just three short years, from 2014 to 2017, our belief that these things as Americans actually took place, that it's not kind of like a nice story, a warm, fuzzy, it's not fairy tale. We're not talking, you know, um, some made up beliefs story here, um, but we're talking about the, the legitimate historical events of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and living and dying and, and the way in which that took place by about 8% over three years. Like that seems pretty fast. And if it were to continue that, that trend, I mean, we, we would be in, in difficult situations. But what troubles me even more is that Christians don't believe in the biblical events, particularly the virgin birth. Like, and so it didn't ask, like the study was not specifically which one. And, and like, I can kind of bring you into the nuance historically and how we've understood these, and I can break those down and, and so maybe some of this statistically is a rejection of the caricatures of that because Jesus is probably more in a cave than he was a nice little like hut. Like he, he was probably more in a cave. So if we reject that, that's one thing. But I, I, I realize as I come in contact with people, like our faith is, is on the rocks in a lot of ways. Our belief is, is not as strong as it once was. And so I want to I want to share from my heart this morning around this topic of faith, because it's, kind of it's kind of everything in this journey with Jesus, and take us to the Christmas story, and I think if we begin to look at faith in the Christmas story, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about Matthew chapter 1, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the early parts of Matthew 2, I'm, I'm talking about Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, so if this is all new to you, the scriptures, and like actually Advent, if this is very new for you, like Christmas morning, I'd encourage you to just go to Luke 2 and just read for a little while. Before you open the presents, if you're trying to set the tone with your children or your family, hey, can, can we remember what this is all about? Maybe just read Luke chapter 2 if you're not sure where to go. So that, those are the the kind of the traditional places will go. But then there's all these prophetic uh, verses throughout the text. In fact, you saw uh, some of those read and declared actually in the midst of our worship uh, uh, this morning. So we could go and look at faith in all these different places in the Christmas story. We could look to the, at, the, at the faith and the belief of shepherds that humble as they were found themselves at the feet of Jesus, believing and believing these, this angelic source in the middle of a field. We can look to the Magi who had studied, and of anybody who knew whether this was legit, the Messiah or not, these guys knew, and they traveled from afar. Their faith brought them from afar. We could look to Mary, and we talked about Mary a couple of weeks ago, and look at her incredible faith that it doesn't make sense. I've never been with a man. I, I've, I've never, this doesn't make sense. How could this be possible? And yet, God has... Uh, conceived a, a child inside of her and her to, her to take that child and, and to receive it with joy and to give God praise in the midst of chaotic situations in which her life was probably on the line in the midst of it all. 
And we could go to all those places, but I really feel drawn. Maybe it's because I'm a dad. Maybe it's because I'm a husband, but I really want to go to Joseph for a few minutes this morning and look at the faith of this man. We've talked a little bit about his journey um, and, and the challenges that he was up in this season. And I know all the fellows and the ladies can probably relate to this as well. We're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time in the text. And I just want to share from my heart and give us some biblical truth around faith and belief. Beginning with verse 18, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. It's like basically engagement to be pledged to be betrothed. It's not the same, but we'll share that another day. But his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This is kind of what he's wrestling with. I love this girl. I, I want to spend my life with her. I want to build a future with her, but, but uh, this, this doesn't add up. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> what, what do you mean you're pregnant? He's, he's got all kinds of questions and, 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 and things going through his head like, are they going to kill me? Is this going to be a breach of contract, so to speak? There was so much this covenantal relationship with a betrothal. He's questioning what's going to happen to her if I do this publicly. If I, is it going to be disgrace on her because I care about her? I don't, are they going to kill her? Are they going to stone her? Are they going to throw her in a river somewhere, which would have been in keeping with tradition at the time um, for a child conceived out of wedlock? But after he had considered this, after he considered how to deal with it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And because what's conceived of in her is from the Holy Spirit, she'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had um, said through the prophet. And here's the quote, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. Joseph's faith in this moment required action, and Joseph didn't hedge his bets, if you know what I mean here. He, he went all in. God, if you said it, you're going to protect me, and his faith was immediately brought to action, and I think that's kind of where I want to spend some time. He, he believed the, the words of the prophets had come true. He believed an angelic dream that he had probably never encountered before, something that frankly didn't make sense to him when he woke up, something that all the data and like thinking through and analyzing of his situation and circumstance, this is the toughest thing that he would have to follow through with. But Joseph, most of all, he believed in Jesus, that he was the one that the prophet spoke about that would come to save him and us from our sins and I realize today, many of us in this room might be struggling with faith in some way, shape, or form. And I think there's a real big difference between um, doubting and struggling to believe. And I believe, yet I'm struggling with doubt. I think those are two very different things and puts us in very different places. 
But the reality is that um, I, I really want to start us with um, uh, a deeper understanding of what faith is in the first place. What does it actually even mean to believe before we can even engage? Is my faith strong? Maybe we think it's strong today, but I, I, the Lord might just convict us and say, well, actually, you, you don't believe like you said you believe, because the reality of what Jesus spoke about and what uh, James says in James chapter 2 is that many of us believe in God, and, and James said, even the demons believe in God. Like, congratulations, you believe in God. Okay, but that, that doesn't mean that's faith. That doesn't mean salvation, because you believe in God. That, that's not what that is. Even the demons believe um, in God. So what is belief? There's a number of words that show up in the Greek language, but one of them, pisteo, means to be fully persuaded. That's the most common one, to be fully persuaded. And oftentimes when we think about belief, we think about a set of values or a set of truths that we hold dear, like a set of facts, like, yes, I believe that's true, like a list of things that it takes to believe God, and that's kind of how we comprehend it, maybe in this simple terms, but I hope to expand our concept on this, on what true biblical faith is, and that belief and faith as we read it in the scripture are something far deeper and, and far more powerful in our life. Um, and I don't, I don't love, I like, but I don't love this equation that you're about to see. I think it'll be helpful for a lot of us. Here's what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is those beliefs. It's the set of truth that we've been fully persuaded on, but it's also bringing into action that, like James said, faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without works is dead. And so we've got to have actions if we're going to have faith. If we're actually going to say, I believe this, okay, then is there any actions to back that up? When we're fully persuaded, it moves into actions. And then it's not just that, but it's confidence on top of that. This is what we get in Hebrews um, that says, now faith is this, that it's confidence and things we don't see, it's hoping truly deeply and, and believing it to be so. Maybe it's best to understand it through an illustration that I've often heard used uh, about a plane, like getting on a plane. Like, like if I, like how many of you guys hate to fly? Anybody like hate to fly? Yeah, there's a few people in the house hate to fly. How many of you guys love to fly? Ever been on like a, a brutally turbulent Right, I remember this this one super. It's the longest flight of my life from Sydney, Australia, to LAX, and it was the worst. And it happened to be the worst flight, mainly because of this girl that I was sitting next to, who was like clawing my arms out because she did not have confidence that this plane was going to make it there, not at all. Like so, she was like clawing my arm out the whole way. And I had a buddy who was on the flight with me, and he gets super like. Like I've been on a boat with him and saw him puke and hurl. And so the moment about 30 minutes from LAX and we haven't slept in like 36 hours at this point. And he's like getting, I can tell like the, the, the plane's rocking. In fact, there's a lady who's passed out like two, two rows in front of us. And she's got a nine-year-old who's like losing her mind because her mom passed out. And so they're like rushing medical aid. And we've been on this flight for like ever, like 15, 16 hours already. And we're 30 minutes from landing. And this is just like icing on the cake for how terrible this flight was. And um, flipping out in this whole way, and they're freaking out. And my buddy, I see him. I'm thinking to myself, 
he's about to go blow chunks in the bathroom. I know he is. I'm going to see him run. And sure enough, like not even two minutes after that thought, he's like, he's running to the bathroom and letting it go. And I'm so nauseous because I'm like, these overseas flights, they just pump you full of food. There's like, you're going to be miserable, miserable, so we're just going to keep giving you food, and hopefully that'll make you happy. And um, it does not make me happy, by the way. It made, made me very sick. And so all this, and I, I wasn't that sick until I started seeing the lady pass out, and people, I was tired, and saw my buddy running. And then all of a sudden, I got really sick. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it. Is this going to be a lost, you know, two, you know, situation here? For those of you that have seen this show Lost, you know what I'm talking about. But um, but anyway, long, long story short, everybody gets off the plane, and I let loose in that barf bag. I just let loose. So Merry Christmas. You're welcome for that, <laughs> for that story. Um, but he, he, here's, here's the illustration for us, is that it's one thing to have belief that that plane is going to take you from Sydney to LAX or wherever you're going. It's one thing to have belief. It's another thing to purchase a ticket. Okay, no, I'm actually going to get on the plane. And then it's another thing to be on the plane and then be freaking out the whole time and have zero confidence that it's actually going to happen. And then it's another thing to just be rested. Like I not only buy the ticket, I don't, there's not any action to follow. I believe it'll get me there, but I never get on the plane. Okay, I get on the plane, but how am I, how am I going to navigate on this plane? Am I actually confident that the pilot's going to get me from point A to point B? And this, this is, that's biblical faith. So I'm actually going to get on there. There's actually going to be actions behind what I say I believe, behind these set of truths that I say I believe. There's actions that follow it because faith without works is what? It's, it's dead. And I think this is so important. I think there's a lot that we could talk about. So now we've got kind of a basic understanding of faith. I just want to share from my heart a set of truths. Um, I'll be quoting a lot of scripture. We'll go to a couple of scriptures here. But really just share from my heart some wisdom and truth that I don't think we can afford to miss that we understand and know about faith. First is the scriptures tell us in multiple places that Jesus tells us in multiple places. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Like it doesn't matter how many good deeds you do. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It, it doesn't matter what you give it doesn't matter how much you serve. It doesn't say any of that stuff in, in, in the scriptures as far as, as uh, pleasing God. What it does say is it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so many Christians treat, um, treat faith far more like a voter registration card than an active dynamic thing in our life that it's a part of, of our living and breathing with God, that there is action that follows these beliefs. And we're challenged in that. In, in recent days, there's been um, a couple of major Christian leaders, you may or may not be familiar with them, who have kind of renounced the faith. You may be familiar with Joshua Harris. A long time ago, he wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and that kind of made him really popular as a, as a young youth pastor um, and anybody ever read that book, Joshua Harris? So yeah, some people know that book. Um, and a lot of people got saved under his ministry, had a very strong ministry for a long time. Another guy named, by the name of Marty Sampson, who's written a lot of the worship songs that you have sang before. These two guys, um, and, and I'm not throwing shade here, but they just said, I, I no longer identify as a Christian. I'm not a Christian anymore. And that began to have this crisis of faith for anyone who has been saved under their ministry, who's came to know the Lord and grew and developed or loved those songs and who's watched them on a stage. And they began to have a crisis of faith, as you can 
imagine you would too if myself or another spiritual leader in your life really just begin to like turn their back and say, nope, none of it's true. Just kidding. And we wonder with situations like that, how can they get there? Like what, what happened? These guys who were so strong in their faith and were leading people to Jesus and then all of a sudden, it, well, how does that happen? I think there's a number of things we could say, but first and foremost, we've got to understand that faith is not static. It's dynamic and People in the science world understand static and dynamic. Static is just like, it just stays the same. It's a voter registration card. It doesn't change. Has your address changed? Nope. Okay, cool. It's static. Dynamic is living. It's breathing. It's moving. It can move forward. It can grow. And it can also be in decline at times. And far, many, far too many times as uh, believers too often, we're like, oh, faith is just this thing I have. And like, oh, now I'm in a season that needs faith. And granted, there are seasons that require more faith, that God calls us into greater faith than other seasons would uh, allow us to even. But the reality is that it's, it's dynamic, that, that where your faith is now is not set in stone for the rest of your life. In fact, I really hope it's not. It all starts kind of the same for us. It starts like a single mustard seed, Jesus said. That's all you need. And in multiple occasions, Paul explains it like this. He says that God has given each one of us a measure of faith. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, of which there's a lot of parallels in those two chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. And he says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. And so a measure of faith, I think about amount of seed of faith. That's how I think about it. There's a seed of faith. And how is that seed of faith, like what happens with it? Well, we get a choice. We have the seed of faith and there's these opportunities in our life in which we can respond and we can plant that seed through action. Like, no, I, I actually believe. It's, it's been given to me and now what am I going to do with that? Am I just going to hold it for time to vote? Okay, yep, 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 yep. Is it, I'm at the pearly gates. Yep, yep, yep. I have faith. Here it is. Yep, I, I, and he's going to say, what? what? What about those who were naked? What about those who are in prison? What about, this is scripture, what Jesus says, like you're going to come and be like, hey, here's my card. And I'm like, no, no, I know you're not. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. And maybe that's convicting for us today, but it also gives us confidence that even if you feel like you got nothing, you got nothing left in your faith, you got this much, all you got to do is plan it through some action. Maybe that action is coming to kneel at an altar on a Sunday. Maybe it's checking a card and saying, hey, I'm, I've got questions. Maybe it's saying, I need to be baptized. I've never followed God in that obedience. Maybe that's a step and that seed, that little measure of faith that God has planted is planted through action. And then it's, it's grown over time. And this is not one of my, my big points. But when we look at Joshua Harris and we look at Marty Sampson, how to get there. Because they had faith, they were moving, they'd seen God do, but it's not, it's not static, it's dynamic, and so there was decline in what's necessary, and, and many of you know I am married to a grade A certified plant lady. <laughs> it didn't start like this, but a couple years ago, I, I think it might have been January or something, the start of a year, it was like her resolution, I'm going to fill my house with plants. And so uh, <laughs> I remember the first week um, she brought home one, and then she brought, and, and we had no, we had really said to ourselves and others, like we have black thumbs. 
um, like we just kill everything. Like we just, we, we, we don't know what to do. And so um, we just know how to help things die. Very, <laughs> very t- politely let them die. And, um, and so she brought home one and then two the next day. And then by the end of that week, we had like nine. And by the end of week two, we had 20. And by the end of the month, we had over 30 plants in my house. Yes, I was counting. Yes, I was counting. I was worried and nervous about the trajectory at which plants were being added to my house. And I started having nightmares of like little shop of horrors, the plant, you know, it was not, not really, but it was, it was over, over, um, overwhelming and, and she began to just work with the soil and, and what she found is that some, it needs, it needs to be watered. How about that? That's how why stuff was dying. It needed some sunlight in its life. And our faith needs to be watered. It's not just static. And like the preaching of the word is our faith being watered. Being around believers is, is our faith being watered. And, and really, it's to, how is our faith watered? Two things. Communion with God and communion with his body. You want to know why we do this every single week? First of all, because Jesus asked us to. He said, don't neglect the gathering. And as often as you get together, do this in remembrance of me, to remember. But this is, it's one of the most full expressions of the gospel. Because what it does, this table right here that we came in and declared um, a few moments ago, that act of faith we do every single time, because it, it's a reminder of our communion with God, what Jesus Christ did with us. But there's also something very symbolic that we're gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's symbolic of our communion with one another too, that we're not random strangers, regardless of whether you know one person in the room or everybody in the room. We're, not, we're brothers and sisters if you're in Christ. You've been adopted into the, and grafted into the family of God. And when we come and break bread, this is so important that this is not just a religious moment, but it's a spiritual moment for us. Because it is a deep moment of watering our faith to remind, I'm not, a, I'm not running this solo. I'm encountering communion with God and with other believers just as, as it's broken pieces from one loaf and it's in two containers, but it's poured from one cup. There is unity among the body. And so our faith is watered through communion with God, time of prayer and worship, the preaching of the word, the worship, and, and so many other uh, spiritual disciplines in which we're going to talk about in um, February through a series called Healthy Habits, which I'm really excited about. But also through this time in which we gather in which we're encouraged. Our faith is watered through testimonies. I've, I've shared it before, but there was a time in my life I was actually on a mission trip. It was, Taryn was pregnant with Beckett at the time. He's, a, he's eight, almost nine years old, so that's how long ago that was. And on that trip, God had to do some really hard things in my heart um, because people were telling testimonies and it kind of got on my nerves. Um, they were just celebrating all these good things that God had done in these miraculous ways. And, and I was like, God, why am, I, why am I upset? Why do I want them to be quiet right now? And, and it was in that moment that I realized that um, I, I didn't love the body of Christ. And my, I was actually guarding my heart from being, my faith being watered in that. There were some other things that I'll save for another day that God had to work through. But in that moment, there were some deep things that God had to break through 
because we're encouraged by testimonies of others. And so if you're pushing away from that, I would say that's exactly what you need. Taryn, Taryn told me, because she's super into essential oils, plant lady, kind of that goes into essential oils. And so one of the things she told me is that when there's certain smells we hate, it's actually scientifically proven, that's, that's because we actually need something that's in that. And if we begin to consume that, we no longer hate that smell because our body's getting the nutrient. It's actually a reminder you actually need something that's in that, which is really crazy. So I think the same thing's true of testimony, of encouragement, of when our faith is at its weakest point and we need it the most is when we want to push away. So be careful. Be careful from pushing away from the table. Be careful to push away from the gathering of body of believers. Be, be careful to push away from community because what? Your faith depends on it. Because it's not static. Where you're at now doesn't mean those guys just started slipping away from communion with God. He's not going to let us go. They started pushing away. and like, no, no, I can't do it. It's too hard to do this thing with other believers and rejecting that. And it's the reality that our faith needs to be confronted regularly. Our lack of faith needs to be confronted regularly. It was sure true for Peter the, the one disciple who is the boldest and brashest, who is like, Jesus, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. You tell me who to preach to, and I'll preach to him. That one who's like, Jesus, I'll never deny you. It was him who denied Jesus three times. And it was him that Jesus needed to confront his lack of faith. And he lovingly restored that lack of faith to say, hey, I haven't given up on you just because you've lost faith, just because in a moment of weakness you couldn't speak up about the testimony of who you've seen me be and who I truly am. I'm not done with you, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you've gone through a season of down faith and you've pushed away from the body, you've pushed away from the table, and maybe you're in a season where you're struggling with doubt, and I just want you to know that that lack of faith needs to be confronted because it's dynamic and it can move and it can grow if we can just plan it through action. We're not, immune, we're not immune to our faith wanting to go on a hiatus, so to speak, of being tired and weary of the journey. I, um, I consume a lot of information. You do too. Through our life, whether it's through advertisements or podcasts or music, we consume or news media outlets. We consume a lot of information and I, I've told a few people, I've been going through the slowest study in the book of Acts that I've ever done in my life. I've been reading just a few verses a day out of Acts. And for me, it's been about digesting in very small bites. Not getting overwhelmed with, I gotta, I gotta do all this, I gotta perform all this. No, I just, God, will you just give me just a, something out of this, this morsel of a couple verses? And I think what it's allowed me to do is to slow down and, and look in the mirror to change the pace of my growth even, to pay, change the pace of how I'm interacting with God's word. And maybe some of us need to slow down a little bit today and have a hard look in the mirror, have a tough conversation with ourselves about whether we really believe and why it's so important is because eternity is dependent on it, on our faith in Jesus. Not on how well we keep it, not on how well we keep this set of rules. That's not what our faith is dependent on or what our eternity is dependent on. It's dependent on Jesus and our faith in him that he has accomplished the work. And that's where the confidence comes from. The confidence doesn't come from how good you've been this week. The confidence comes of belief that Jesus is who he said he was. 
and that his grace is sufficient for my weakness, as Paul said. That is where the confidence comes from. You've probably, even if you've never been in church a day in your life until today, you've heard this verse, John 3, 16, and it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, our eternity is dependent on putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Our belief and biblical faith and belief is not just some set of cold actions and it's not a voter registration card that we're going to pour out, pull out on the day of judgment. Uh, belief is a we're fully persuaded in our heart. And honestly, that's a process. So if you've got a single uh, mustard seed today and that's all it is, Jesus says that's enough to move mountains. Maybe not today, but if you'll plant that through an action of saying, hey, you know what? Today, I really decided to follow Jesus. Like I've been doing the religious thing, but today I made a decision that, that when eternity's face to face with me, I, I want it to be said that uh, it was credited to me as righteousness because of faith, just like it was for Abraham. It was credited to me as righteousness. Our eternity is dependent upon it. Paul said it over and over again that we walk not by sight, but by faith. This is, this is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. This is what it means to be his. The band's going to come, and just some final thought here is um, one verse that's probably one of the toughest verses, for a long time at least it was, one of the toughest verses of the New Testament for me. And it's John 14, 12, in which Jesus is saying, you're going to do even greater works than I did. You know? Like, I was like, okay, Jesus, whatever. Like, you're just messing around. Can't for real think that I'm going to do greater works than you, Jesus. Has anybody here done greater works than Jesus yet? Yeah, yeah, not me, not either. Not me either. But this verse speaks to us that whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I've got probably a whole like 45-minute teaching on this and what I've come to understand about that. We don't have time for that today. Everybody said amen. Um. But here's what I do know is that faith, real faith, produces good works, not the other way around. Yeah. And so many of us were like, I need to believe, so I'm going to start doing all this stuff. Start doing all this stuff. But it's, it's a deeply held, fully persuaded conviction in our heart, and then that produces good works. Mm -hmm. Not, I'm going to go love my neighbor because somebody told me to. No, no, I'm fully persuaded that God's good. And I'm overwhelmed by that, and I can't help it anymore. Like, I've considered this, and now I'm, I'm moving to my neighbor to just, I, I want to make sure they know God's goodness that has touched me in my life. Like, real faith produces good works. And I don't know where you're at this morning, um, but I, I know we can all kind of look at, at Jesus' statement and be like, yeah, right. But who am I to say that he was wrong? that God won't do the miraculous in your life if you just plant the single mustard seed this year. See, Pastor, this is kind of like a convicting message, maybe, to end 2019. Why, why is this like a part of best Christmas ever? Because I think in the next few moments, as we pray, as we worship, I believe this moment can set the trajectory for your 2020. 
I truly believe that. Like I, I believe this can be a game-changing moment in which some of you who are struggling with doubt, and it's just, it's just lack of communion with God, it's just lack of communion with the body that's gotten in the way, but God's gonna breathe new life into that. Because he's present, he's here, and he didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to judge, he came to save. He came to bring us into new life, into freedom, the confidence in him. We're all on this plane together and some of us are passing out and some of us are running to the bathroom to puke and some of us are just, just get me off the plane. I'm just ready for it to be done. But I believe the next few moments, God's just gonna help us to just say, God, I, w- I wanna be on this plane with you. I want you, I want you driving it and I trust you. Wherever you're gonna take it, whatever you're gonna call me into obedience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in it, God. And I have confidence that you're gonna take me to where you've called me in my life. I ask you to stand and we're gonna pray. Like Joseph, we have an opportunity to reject the angelic dream, to reject the scriptures. We have an opportunity to say, nope, I'm not going to have any part of this and go and divorce her quietly in our own lives. Or we have an opportunity in the next few moments to just wake up and put our faith. I'm going to go home. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Whatever it means, Lord. God, we thank you for this moment. It's a holy moment, God, because you're in it. Not because we're perfect, God. It's a holy moment because you're here. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. God, and I pray for every single heart and soul under the sound of my voice, whether they're listening, driving down the road on an airplane, or God, they're watching at home sick or in the room with me today, God. You know, God, some of us, we're struggling with faith. God, we're just doubting. We're struggling to believe right now. Some of us have just treated faith like it's a voter registration card that we will present at at the pearly gates, God. And you've got so much more for us, a life that's full of faith and vibrant, God. God, help us to confront our lack of faith today. God, help us to plant the seed of faith. God, help it to be watered through friendships within the body of Christ and gathering together regularly to be encouraged, God. God, I know you're convicting the God. That's your spirit, God. That's your word. That's not me. I take no credit for anything you're doing today, but I know there's some people in the room that you've not made a decision to follow Jesus for your life. And today's that day. God, I thank you for this moment. I pray... As we come um, today to worship you and lift you up, God, I pray that our hearts would be open and full of faith, God, that you placed inside of us and we would plant it today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's gonna be folks at the crosses. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, whatever's going on in your life, maybe a sibling or a child or a parent, maybe a sickness or disease, something that you need to have faith over right now, maybe a job situation that you're trying to trust God with, they want to partner with you in prayer. This altar's open. It's here for you. It's here for you to worship and honor the Lord. Come on, lead us, team, and let's worship today.